0: Welcome to the 102nd installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore of the Land Stewardship Project. This podcast is the fifth and final installment in a series featuring a March 2011 presentation given in Creighton, Nebraska, by Don Huber, a Purdue University Emeritus Professor of Plant Pathology. Huber's presentation describes his concerns about the long-term environmental problems associated with the use of the popular Monsanto herbicide Roundup. Here, Huber describes research showing how the main component of Roundup, a broad-spectrum herbicide called glyphosate, could affect livestock and even human health.
1: There's another factor that's involved and there's a lot of data coming out now with concerns on the toxicology of glyphosate and the other effects that it has. I think there are enough now that you can't ignore them. They're coming out from Asia from Europe, South America, from Russia, you're seeing a lot of studies that sent up a lot of red flags. The Indian Supreme Court, just a month or so ago, ruled on a case for BT Bringle. Well, that's eggplant with the BT gene, genetically modified eggplant. That an independent laboratory take the initial data that was submitted to them for deregulation. Then they had the independent laboratory also do the toxicology study and the Supreme court ruling and accepting the, the uh, independent laboratory analysis from New Zealand. The statement was that the initial data that was submitted for deregulation doesn't meet international standards for that type of a study. Most of the data that is used for consideration and the last review on glyphosate was from 1980 and 85. We didn't have new data that was submitted. How many drugs are on the market today or that aren't on the market today that were on 10 years ago because we have new data? All I have to do is sit in front of the TV and watch all the uh, lawyers' commercials saying, if you have any of these symptoms, please contact us because we want a chunk of that money. There's a lot of new data now that needs to be considered. A lot of other interactions that come into play. We see the increased toxin levels. We see the nutrient decline, continuing decline in those essential nutrients. The group that works on Alzheimer's disease at the National Institute of Health, health works on the beam line right next to where Daryl Schultz and I work at Brookhaven Laboratories on the synchrotron. They're analyzing brain lesions with Alzheimer's and dementia. What they're finding is extreme deficiency of manganese. Copper is the other one that they find the deficiency of. Four years ago, Art Dunham, veterinarian in Northeast Iowa, called me and he said, what can you tell me about manganese? Well, I, told him I could tell him all about the soil biological cycles and all those things. He asked him why he wanted to know as a veterinarian. He said, I've got clients going out of business because of high incidence of disease. I've given them every drug that I can. And I can't keep them in business, can't keep them out of bankruptcy court. said, so when I do a, my <clears throat> necropsies, do an analysis of the liver for manganese, they're all manganese deficient. I understand Iowa State's large animal clinics have been doing an analysis for manganese, all deficient in manganese. How come? We have less in our food, and less in our feeds. We see that reduced availability. We have another Oh, we have the allergenicity from those foreign proteins. That There are a number of papers now documenting those concerns. Fifty percent increase in soybean allergies in the last three years in the United States. How come? What's changed? Why do we have a 9,000 percent increase in Alzheimer's in North America since 1990? What's changed? We have a new disease causes infertility. An abortion again with a head scab. I mentioned that with Dr. Fernandez. Won't spend more time just on the nutrient. If you're going to be growing roundup ready alfalfa, Alpha make sure that you do the testing. You may need to supplement your ration. You may need to compensate for that in order to maintain resistance to bacterial wilt. If you even want to grow it, and the new technology agreement that you sign. Understand it transfers all liability to you, either for gene flow or for any toxicology that might occur. Five years, if alpha, Roundup Ready alfalfa alpha is planted, you look at the EIS, and I think the sun comes to the same conclusion that I do. There won't be anything but Roundup Ready alfalfa. You have an insect-pollinated uh, crop, that gene is going to fly anywhere that bee flies. Got a lot of feral alfalfa. You're not gonna contain it. Look at the nutrient aspect. Thirty-one percent lower manganese, eighteen for boron, twenty for copper, fifty-two for sulfur. A lot of our animal rations are already short on methionine, cysteine. Gotta get it from the plant. How are we gonna compensate? This is from dairy ones, this used to be Cornell. You have just a comparison of two thousand and and 2010 silage samples for nutrient value. They looked at 2005 versus 2010, probably see an even greater effect there, Our 2005-2000. But again, you see copper, 9.5% drop, iron, potassium, magnesium, phosphorus, calcium. We're going in the wrong direction. We should be going the other direction. We've got the technology to do it. We've got the soils to do it. How come? We focused on one thing. Dr. Dunham shared this with me. This is what it looks like. Have manganese deficiency in a calf. Also can cause early abortion. Set that knobbiness, those joints? Looks like it's got arthritis. That's because manganese is required for calcium movement and deposition in the bones. Very typical manganese deficiency, and we see this. See this in the animals that are born as well as those that are stillborn. Work with Leager and, and Carmen. Carmen's a veterinary toxicologist from uh, Australia, working with uh, Verity Farms, looking at GMO versus known GMO foods, feeds, This pig stomachs. Again, I mentioned that 50% increase in allergies to soybeans. You see a normal pig stomach, supposed to be kind of like ours. Mine's a little bigger than this one probably because it's starting to go over my belt, but you look at what happens when they have that foreign protein as an allergen. I had a grower that uh, here from Nebraska called, and he said my cattle act like they're hungry all the time. What's happening? They can't explain it. I free feed them, but they still act like they're hungry. Hungry. Well, on our dairy, when they started doing that, they told us they were missing a mineral. Would put a mineral block out, usually take care of it. May also be that they got a stomachache. Not quite as efficient in that food consumption and, and conversion. Slide Gilbert Hostetler, corn breeder in northern Illinois, shared with me. He said they finished up all of their processing and found a couple of bags in the warehouse that missed. One of them was a, a GMO bag here, or cor- corn. And the other one was as normal, grows both, uh, produces seed for both. And he said, Looked at those, and I said, maybe those mice know something that I to know. You'll see the same thing in your refuge plantings of your non-GMO crops that you have out in the field. The deer will clean those up, and they'll leave. Law of the GMO crop. Maybe they don't like that stomach ache. They know something that we don't quite know. Again, associations don't always mean cause, and quite often don't mean cause, but they are places that we can look. That's the statistics on... Cancer incidence, this is an annual report that comes out. We've really been making some progress on a lot of these cancers down here. Look what's happening up here though. Your liver, thyroid, skin cancer, kidney, testicular, your breast cancer, your esophagus. Five of those areas are known target areas for glyphosate toxicity at a half part per million. How much can we have in our food? We can go up to 200 parts per million in our food. Many times more that we're finding in our food than clinically has been established as red flags from a toxicological standpoint. It's just kind of an example of an email that I received after release of the letter that I wrote personally to Secretary of, of Agriculture Vilsack that was leaked and. But on the Internet, it went viral very quickly, and I was soon inundated. And Every time I get home, my computer's all clogged up and shut down and whatnot. Phone lines have been plugged up. But uh, Very typical of what we've been seeing the last three or four years. And you see, they've exhausted all other alternatives. He said, we've done everything that we can. Everything comes up negative. We're at the end of our rope. We go out of crop, out of animal production. as Some veterinarians are very concerned about replacement animals, having them available in two or three years because of the severity of the infertility and the spontaneous abortion. We see dairies with as much as 15% infertility and then 45 and 50% abortion of those that they can finally get to settle. And it's not just one. We get two or three more reports every week. It's a growing problem and a real concern. You see that. Some areas we're seeing an increase in miscarriage, and very close association with our farming practices. The incidents, when I talked to the veterinarians and I said, can you give me an idea of how this is increasing or what the uh, how it's kind of progressed? We do this on an epidemiological standpoint. And they said that, There was no question about 2002, 2003, you couldn't ignore it. We had areas that we were seeing 50% abortion and difficulty in the reproduction program all over. Said we really started being aware of it about 1998, 1999. But it was kind of sporadic. You'd have a grower that would see it or be struggling with it. Sometimes we could pull it out of it. Usually they just went out of business and we just kind of forgot about it. It's a concern that's been increasing very dramatically the last three or four years, so much that you can't ignore it. Agriculture is a basic infrastructure for any society. These are some of the characteristics. The cause of this is a new organism, not new to the environment, but new to science. We've never seen it before. We don't have a pigeonhole taxonomically to put it in. Hopefully, we will in a couple of weeks when the sequencing is completed on it. We can culture it. can be grown. Koch's postulates have been done on it so that the scientific cause-effect relationships have been established for animals. We don't have that full association or Koch's postulates on plants yet. Hopefully we will very soon, but there's a very close association. And the veterinarians were looking for the source of the of the. Organism, and it's a very small organism, you have to magnify it about 35,000, 38,000 times in order to see it. So it's about the size of a virus. But again, it's culturable, has different characteristics, and we see with other known organisms, about that size. But when the veterinarians were looking for a source for infection of their animals, and it goes to cattle and horses, pigs, poultry, and we had to have the association with humans. We all have part of that same food chain involvement. But you also see then what, what they found was the source for the animals is the feed. And the feed that was really loaded was the soybean meal. Started looking at the soybeans. Soybeans are just loaded with it, and especially if you have SDS. It seems to really be a compatible organism with the Fusarium. They looked at the Fusarium glycines that causes SDS. Find the organism in the mycelium. We can find it in the soil. It seems to be everywhere in some degree. It would appear that the fusarium may be the vector to infect the plant, and then this organism moves systemically in the plant to grow in the in the seed and in the plant tissues. Find it especially high in in areas where we have gosses wilt or gosses wilt infected plants. Find it in silage, really loaded in distiller's grain. Any fermenting process seems to favor growth of this new organism. Very high populations, and you see a very high incidence of the infertility and the abortion in the animals when they're being fed those crops, those uh, materials. Again, it's an association. Coke's pasta has been established on the animals, We have the association with the plants. We're wondering if it isn't a reason for those extended symptoms of SDS and Goss's wilt, that we've been seeing the last two or three years. More severe. This organism is compatible with a lot of other organisms, especially gram-positive organisms. grows really well in culture with Alpha Strep. Gram-positive organism. What's Goss's wilt? One of the very rare gram-positive organisms that affects plants, clavibacter. What's bacterial wilt of alfalfa? Clavibacter, gram-positive. Very compatible with this organism. In my letter to the secretary, I asked him to use some caution before dereg- deregulating. If we see the same relationship on corn that we see with glyphosate application destroying the resistance to goss's wilt, a gram-positive organism, if we see that same relationship on alfalfa with bacterial blight of alfalfa with the clavibacter insidiosum, And that association holds, as we've seen in all of the cases that we've seen, been able to measure so far and analyze. We have the potential to losing the most valuable forage crop the world has for our ruminant animal production for our dairy and beef. That's why that paragraph, asking for delay and deregulation, and asking for the resources that are needed in order for us to do the epidemiological work and get those answers that we don't have. I didn't disclose a lot of information in the letter. It wasn't for public dissemination. But to alert him to the concerns and a plea for the help that we have to have, Costs about $25,000 to do a sequencing. Had some people, plant pathology that had agreed to do that because they were already doing sequencing of some other bacterial diseases nine months ago they'd agreed to do it, it became too hot a potato them, and they were told that they're not going to touch it. We have a private individual who's doing the sequencing at his own expense because I haven't been able to get anyone else to do it. I won't say we're at a calamity because we're not. Agriculture is a never-ending never American revolution. We've got a robust system. I'll just bring it out since the letter was leaked onto the... uh, Since it was leaked, I'll explain. I'm gonna bring this up to you. It's a concern for you. Some of you here probably experiencing some of that problem with infertility. It's a concern because agriculture is the most critical infrastructure for any society. You're the players in that survival. I'll just ask you to really use caution we need time to get the answer. I didn't see any need for rushing in to deregulation of the alfalfa. We only use herbicides on seven percent to start with. We could compensate for that with some management. Why go to a crop that's only going to survive for three years, maybe only two, when you have a crop that can go for eight to nine years, or at least we used to keep it there. I know Dan understander says you ought to replant it every five years. I can tell you that that two of the three plots that I had, the farmer left them in only, only took them out at the third year because they were no longer productive. I happened to be in an area that also has bacterial wilt. And so it's not, I didn't have replicated plots for bacterial wilt, but I had everything treated with glyphosate two years before. And those plants just went out on me. His normal alfalfa is still there. It'll probably be there for another five years, still very productive. Why take a chance until we get the answers? We needed the help. We still need it. still need that research. Some of the places where it's been found, I'm over my time. This is speculative, but based on the information that we have now, it appears that this new organism is soil-borne, very compatible with bacteria, with fungi. In fact, if you look at it with some of these, it may actually be trying to parasitize some of these other organisms. Maybe part of that natural biological control or biological cycle in here. Very high population in the fusarium. See that root infection, colonization and population growth in the soybean plant or in the corn plant. Goes into the grain eaten by the animals and our food chain. You see the infertility, high abortion, high miscarriage. You see it then in the manure, going back into the into the soil reservoir, either through decomposing plant materials or uh, through manure or or uh, in the soil organism. Again, there are a lot of interactions where glyphosate could stimulate it. This isn't research. This is just where we know that there are effects of glyphosate on these particular tissues that predispose it to some of this type of disease. These are some of the research that needs to be done. And hopefully we can get that done and get the answers as quickly as possible. What we have to do is, again, as I've done as an intelligence analyst with the Department of Defense for much of my 41-year career, your career, when you see something that is a concern, you say, well, what's changed? If it's a concern now, and it wasn't a concern 10 years ago or 15 years ago, and so in that process, that's why we have the information that we have now. Certainly not complete, and we need more information and a lot more research with this new organism, especially from an epidemiological standpoint. When growers have changed, they've been able to stay in production. Art Dunham's done a tremendous job of keeping some of his growers and getting them back onto a program so that they don't have the infertility and the abortion problems. There's been a change, and if we're going to correct it, we also need to change. If we keep doing the same thing, we shouldn't expect any different answer. and that's kind of the point that we're at. Again, with Goss's wilt, if you look at bacterial blight on alfalfa, you see as soon as it's just a surfactant, Makes that fairly wimpy pathogen a very serious disease for us. Seven six of the seven hybrids lost their resistance with just the surfactant to change that environmental part of that diamond to make it more conducive for the pathogen. What you have to do then, if you look kind of at the overall picture and the interactions of glyphosate, you can see that interaction from the mycotoxins and the reduced nutritional value. have a lot of empty calories. Why are we concerned about obesity? Same thing as those cows. They're not satisfied because they don't have the minerals. We've got those empty calories. What's the body do when it takes in carbohydrates? It wants to metabolize them. It wants to get into glycolysis and, and all of that and use that energy. If it doesn't have those micronutrients, it can't do it. So what's it do with it? Wants to get it out of the way, stores it as fat. It may not be as much of an obesity problem as a micronutrient deficiency because that's how we burn it. That's how we use it. You can see an effect on our plant production, nutritional value, our animals. You see the environmental changes, reason for rotation of chemicals as well as crops perhaps. Give that healing process a chance or rebalancing process for the vegetables and fruits. Why do we worry about salmonella and E. coli on vegetables? We used to, didn't have to, really rare, very common phenomena now. See, this is happening shown that glyphosate changes that microflora on the leaf surfaces that used to suppress a lot of those organisms by the natural biological control. We've changed that environment. Why do we have to recall Almost 20% of our egg production here a few months ago for Solomonella. Newspaper reports said there's chicken manure present. All well, my kids growing up in 4 H usually had three or 400 chickens there. Still waiting to see a chicken that doesn't produce a little manure. We didn't have any Solomonella problems. Well, they said you also had rodents there. I fought rodents, and two cats did a good job, but they didn't get them all. where you're going to have feed you're going to have some rodents what changed though because we've always had those we've got a higher residue level of glyphosate or enough in the glyphosate that changed placental tissues toxic to it it changed liver tissues for resistance changes toxic to kidney tissues we've got levels high enough in our food to do that many times over quite often what's changed and what do we need to change? I'm over time but uh... just kind of finalize here with a a reminder to you had a widow that had lost her husband ten or twelve years before and kinda became lonely because she dedicated her life pretty much to to him and they had a very close relationship kids noticed she was lonely and suggested that she get a pet so she took that to heart Drove over to Boise to the pet store and explained her situation to the pet store owner. And the pet store owner took her by the arm and took her to the back of the store and said, I've got just the thing for you. Showed her this beautiful Brazilian parrot. She said, this guy will t- talk your leg off. He'll keep you company. You can kind of share your emotions with him. And said, just what you need. She bought the parrot, took it home, came back the next day. And he said, he hadn't said a word to me. How do I get him to talk? And the pet store owner said, well, you have a ladder said, no, and so she bought the ladder and put it in with a parrot. That's the owner, said, you know, parrots have to move around. They're kind of like Emeritus Purdue. Uh, professors here. I've got to move so you can tell the difference between arthritis and rigor mortis. And so, uh, you know, parrots like to move. And, uh, well, she came back the next day and he said he still had not said anything to me. And uh, he said, well, do you have a swing? I said, no, so she bought the swing. Took it back, came back the next day and said, still hadn't said anything to me. Pet store owner said, Well, do you have a mirror? This guy's a good market. Said, Do you have a mirror? And said, No. And so she uh, said, you know, parrots have a high vanity quotient. And so she bought the mirror and took it there and put it in the cage. And she came back the fourth day with a dead parrot. Explained to the uh, pet store owner, said, You know, you hardly said anything to me. Pet store owner said, Well, didn't he say anything? He said, Well, He just kind of gurgled a few words. The pet store owner said, well, what did it sound like? And she said, well, I don't know. The best I could figure out was, uh, doesn't that pet store sell any food? (laughs) Well, quite often we can get enamored with the bells and the whistles and the technology, and we forget our real purpose is in getting that nutritional level to the crop so that we can keep that factory going to store that energy that the Lord gives us through the sun and through these crops so we can really meet those basic needs of society with an abundant, safe, and uh, economically affordable uh, crop forest.
0: This podcast is dedicated to the memory of the late Terry Gompert, a University of Nebraska Extension educator and longtime sustainable agriculture advocate who brought Professor Huber to Creighton. Sadly, Terry passed away the day after Huber's presentation. For more information on Dr. Huber's work related to glyphosate, see www.landstewardshipproject.org. Click on the blog button and search the term Don Huber, that's H-U-B-E-R. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevor at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Grounds theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.